With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome into Feeling Blue. Thanks to the Block M Podcast Network. I am Luke Yardy, joined by Scotty White, formerly... Brewcast. We are now the Feeling Blue podcast, part of the Block M podcast network under the Fan First Sports Network. Uh, finally made the transition here in late March, but very excited about it. Uh, for those of you wondering what FFSN is, it's a team of podcasters, formerly of SB Nation podcast, uh, discontinued under the SB Nation platform due to cost saving efforts on their part. Uh, we all got together. We're now under FFSN and the Block M Podcast Network is hosting all of our shows that were formerly of Maze and Brew, along with Future Blue, Out of the Blue. And uh, speaking of which, we are going to be talking a little recruiting, football recruiting with John Simmons of the Future Blue Podcast. Going to be joining us coming up on the show uh, to talk about, you know, obviously the big news yesterday uh, coming out of Michigan, you know, winning a big battle against Ohio State for a, a highly touted prospect from Ohio. We're going to be talking with John all about that but uh, first and foremost scotty how you doing here tonight man i'm doing pretty well um uh, i'm very excited about the first episode with the new name um you yes know, episode I, one man it's a yeah, fresh start it is it's exciting stuff um you know luke and i talked about it a few weeks ago when when all of this first happened we were kind of worried that we weren't going to be able to do our podcast anymore um but now i i'm just super excited that we're teaming up with these other sb nation sites um, we got everything figured out and, and also shout out to Luke with the, the idea of this new name feeling blue. We we were struggling for a couple weeks for the name and, and Luke thought of a great one. 
We it did, and it just seemed to go along with uh, what we're going to talk about in the end of this basketball season here. But mm-hmm. feeling blue, of course, doesn't necessarily mean we're feeling down in the dumps. It, it could yeah. be you're feeling you're feeling a little pride for the Mason Blue, you know. So uh, there's a lot of ways that you could go about it. It's gonna uh, it's gonna be an appropriate name for how we're feeling any any episode here for moving forward. Yeah, no, the name is definitely good, um, and yeah, it's not. We are not sad to be talking about Michigan sports on the podcast only only today, like Luke said, talking about basketball. But other than that, it is a feeling of pride and a feeling of maize and blue. Honestly, at this point, you know, I'm not even feeling blue about basketball. I'm feeling relieved that this thing is over, man. Yeah, that is that is a great point. Um, And and, and what what other way for the season to end than what we saw over the weekend? I mean, just. I mean, could it have been scripted any better? I don't think so. Nope. Nope. I think it that is the only way the season could have ended, right? You're up eight, little over a minute to go on the road in Vanderbilt, and uh Hunter Dickinson, his seven foot one big ass, doesn't d- decide to dunk it and end the game, tries to put it off the glass, misses it. Uh, and then all of a sudden things just completely unravel, uh, for Michigan. They ultimately end up losing in regulation. It was actually quite impressive. I'll, I'll be honest with you. The, the amount of times Michigan's been in that situation here this year and for them to really just outside of a prayer shot against Wisconsin, not really be able to pull one of those out. You know, it's, it's actually kind of amazing that you could be up eight with very little time left and have absolutely no confidence in the team you're watching to win that game, man. You know, it's like scoring, it's like, like everyone wants someone to score, you know, a perfect score on their ACT. Michigan basketball is almost like the, the team that scores a zero on their ACT. It's almost yeah. just as impressive, you know, because you almost have to know the right answers to not get right. any single question <laughs> right on an ACT. So that's how I feel about Michigan basketball here this year. That, that is, that is a, that is a really good point. Um, and a funny comparison. And yeah, it's, it's, it's so crazy too, that just every time, that it happens, I'm like, okay, like they can't find a way to blow a bigger lead or blow that same lead with less time. And then they just go out and show me that they can. I mean, when, when the Iowa game first happened, I think Michigan was up seven or eight with about two minutes left. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how, how'd they blow that one? And then against Illinois, it's with about a minute 40. And then this one with under a minute to go, Michigan led this game by eight points. I mean – that is that like like you said, it's impressive. Like that is hard to do to blow an eight point lead with under a minute left in the basketball game, um, and it's not like they were just missing free throws. It was, it was just no. turnover after turnover after turnover. I I very much respected Jawan Howard just putting Terrence Williams in a spot he was clearly not comfortable with, and, and in a spot his skill set is clearly not made for, and just kept rolling with it. You know, he he said the hell with it. It's CNIT, baby. We're, we're just going to try different things. And if we're going to go down, we're going to go down in flames. You know, we're going to crash and burn. Yeah. Yeah, It was that was um, a, a choice for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, I was, I was surprised that Michigan was even in that position to begin with when yeah. um, Jet and Kobe before the game were announced that they wouldn't play. Um, and what I said to my friends after the game was over, if if college basketball games were 38 minutes long, Michigan would win a national championship this year. Oh my god, it'd be the best team <laughs> in the country. Yeah. They just those those last two minutes, they they just can't. And then in this case, just the last minute, they just can't put it together. No. So yeah, uh, the season is over. Thank mercifully, uh, yeah. you know, at this point. Interested to see where it goes from here, right? Isaiah Barnes, he's yeah. already transferred out. 
haven't heard uh, much else. I mean, Jet and Kobe both sitting that game out, you know, with ankle injuries. Apparently, Jet's been bothered with one all year. Don't know. Uh, I think Kobe was a bit of a surprise, uh, to be honest with you. So interested to see, you know, exactly what the attrition is going to like look like on the roster. We'll see if Joey Baker gets that year uh, to come back. We'll see how hard Juwan Howard hits the transfer portal. Only a two-recruit class coming in. So, I mean, you know, uh, definitely it's going to be an interesting offseason for Michigan basketball. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, you know, I think we're going to start to see, like you said, we've already seen Isaiah Barnes enter the transfer portal. Um, but yeah, the the Kobe Bufkin not playing really surprised me. Obviously, he's been skyrocketing up the, the draft boards this year. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't see anything that happened in the Toledo game that um, alluded to him having any sort of injury. Um but I mean, at, at the end of the day, if he's thinking about going to the NBA after the season, that that's a that's a smart choice to to not risk an injury in an NIT game against Vanderbilt. Um, but I think that, that that decision certainly is pointing in the direction that he will not be returning next year. That would that would be my prediction. Yeah, it does feel that way. Him and Jet both, yeah. to be honest with you. I've seen some people say the rumor is Jet's going to be uh, coming back, but I mean, if he's got a chance to be a lottery pick, you know, you, you might as well go get paid, to be honest with you. But we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe he wants to play another year for his dad and another year with his brother. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing is, I mean, it, there's no question that he's not seeing on social media that the fans are becoming a little restless and not too happy about his dad's coaching performance. So you never know. <laughs> maybe he's like, I, I need to come back and help help Michigan have a good season save my dad's coaching job um but yeah I mean like you said I I am I'm I'm leaning towards him Kobe and Hunter all departing after this season and I mean if if that does happen that would that would leave things uh, fairly fairly bleak talent wise uh um you know uh with of course the the potential portal transfer additions you know whatever they could get but man that would be that'd be a big blow uh for Michigan for sure yeah, I, I don't really know where where we would go if all three of them leave. Um, Joey Baker coming back would be huge. Um, maybe get Jalen Llewellyn back um, after his injury this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that would be, we'd be clinging to football season ne- next fall for sure. Speaking of football season, man, the buzz is already starting to grow Michigan hitting the recruiting trail very, very hard and some big wins uh, coming out of the recruiting trail. We're going to catch up with John Simmons of the Future Blue podcast that talks all about Michigan recruiting here on the Block M Podcast Network coming up next here on Feeling Blue. Support for Feeling Blue is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. In case you aren't familiar with them, they are a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. Not only is their stuff comfy, but it's officially licensed gear, so they do not screw around when it comes to their designs. The home field team studies the history, traditions, and legacy of every school, and with all that information, they create thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university. Homefield has some brand new Michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else, from t-shirts to hoodies and crewnecks. They have it all. So you can proudly represent the maize and blue wherever you are. So if you want some brand new, good-looking Michigan swag, head over to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code MICHIGAN15 for 15% off your first order. 
That's not just for one item. That's for your entire order. Again, 15% off using promo code Michigan15 at homefieldapparel.com. John, great to have you aboard, man. Very exciting times uh, on the recruiting trail for Michigan football. How are you doing here today? I'm doing great. Yeah, definitely an exciting week. A lot more news dropping than expected. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, so this was a pretty big surprise yesterday, right? Uh, Jordan Marshall, the four-star top 100 recruit out of uh, Ohio, committing to Michigan. From what I understand, not many people really expected this, did they? No. um, For a while, it seemed like Michigan was leading a little bit. Um, Then like a recent article came out maybe a couple weeks ago that uh, had him taking like multiple official unofficial visits to Ohio State. You know, he's going to be there on April 1st, which is Michigan's spring game. And you can kind of tell that the Ohio State coaches planned it. So um, he would be on their campus instead of Michigan's. And then he was setting up his official visits in June. And Ohio State requested they get the last visit, which is always, you know, a plus in recruiting, be that being that last school on the kid's mind. Um, so it kind of seemed like the Ohio State coaches were getting in his ear and kind of swaying him towards back towards their side. But um, he took an unofficial visit this past weekend to Michigan. Obviously, things went really well and he uh, ended up committing, which I think, yeah, came as a big surprise to everyone. Well, thought Scotty was going to jump in there. Sorry. So uh, <laughs> let me know. Throwing what... the whole dynamic off. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. So what did um, Jordan Marshall? What did what was the reason he gave? What what did he like about Michigan? Um, I think I mean, what's not to like as a running back? Honestly, as the last couple of years have shown, um, you know, when Harbaugh's type of offense gets gets up and running, I mean, it's a dream for a running back. They get tons of carries. You saw. Blake Corum be should have been a Heisman contender if he uh uh didn't get injured at the end and Donovan Edwards can just seamlessly move right in and also have an awesome season. You got the two-time uh Joe Moore uh award-winning offensive line up there blocking for you and that, you know, should still be one of the best offensive lines in the country this upcoming season. So I think just the what the style that Michigan plays um is kind of what running backs are looking for. Um, and, you know, last cycle, everyone was kind of wondering what was going on, why Michigan wasn't able to get these top elite backs like Jordan Marshall. I mean, they ended up getting Cole Cabana, who was a top 200-ish guy, um, but there's, you know, didn't really think of him as an all-down back, but Marshall can definitely um, tote the rock, but I think they're, they'll they still have that committee and keep him fresh for the NFL. All right, I, I am jumping in this time, guys. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, I just wanted to say – this this the whole past couple of days with the recruiting has just been so fun to see and to be on Twitter. Um, especially, I mean, personally, one of my favorite things is is just reading all of the things on Ohio State message boards. Because I mean, when when was the last time we were experiencing something like this? You know, Ohio State is the team now that's upset with their coach, and and Michigan's going into their backyards and taking recruits. Um, and I, and I tweeted out, you know, just not to for Michigan fans not to take this for granted because this is this is such a special time and I mean recruiting like this obviously the the wins we saw the wins the past two years which are obviously extremely crucial but we've still kind of been waiting for the recruiting to flip and this seems like it's pushing that momentum in the right direction to really flip that recruiting which will really flip the rivalry totally upside down yeah definitely I think it's been 
almost 10 years since Michigan's beaten a guy in beaten Ohio state for a guy that was from the state of Ohio that Ohio state really wanted. Um, you know, Nolan Rumler was one from the 2016 class, but he committed so early to Michigan. It was kind of like, yeah, I had an Ohio state offer. Um, they were recruiting him hard, but it's so early in the, um, cycle that it was, it kind of just seemed like a Michigan layup, but then you'd have to go back to those Brady Hoke classes that, um, he was really cleaning up in Ohio and, you know, like Kyle Kalis, uh, DeMonte Thomas, uh, people like that, like the Mike McRae, Jake, Bud, those types of guys, like that it's been almost a decade since Michigan been able to go in there and get those guys. But I think that the tide's starting to turn, they're hitting Ohio really hard, the cycle. Um, they've got a couple other guys in the class from Ohio that, um, didn't have, uh, Ohio state offers, but, at this point, you know, it, that's not the big indicator. You know, if Michigan wants an offensive lineman, like they have two guys from Ohio uh, along the offensive line, like you're going to trust Michigan's evaluations more than Ohio State's at this point. Yeah, we're, we're chatting here. Uh, John Simmons joining us of the Future Blue podcast on the Block M Podcast Network. And, John, as someone who has followed this, you know, really closely in what Michigan does on the recruiting trail – has this been a, a change in philosophy or have they always hit Ohio hard? They just haven't gotten the wins because Ohio state's kind of built a fence and that now they're starting to see uh, it, that weakening a little bit. Yeah. I think that um, just in like Harbaugh's tenure, they, they've definitely gone after some big Ohio guys. Um, but obviously like if Ohio state wanted them, they got him for a while, especially under urban Meyer. Um, Ryan Day kept that going for a couple years, but after these two losses, I think Michigan's kind of getting ready to pounce. Um, this last 23 cycle, they got five or six guys from the state of Ohio, but they were more the lower tier guys, which is, I mean, you look at a guy like Rod Moore, he was a three-star from Clayton Northmont in Ohio that Ohio State overlooked, and now he's, you know, Michigan's starting safety has beat them. His, he's 2-0 and against them in his career. So those are the type of guys, those under the radar type guys they went after last year um, that they ramped up a little bit. And then this year, I think they're really going for the whole thing and pushing hard for the, those top of the uh, slate guys like Bryce West, Aaron Scott or two like top 100 cornerbacks that Michigan's doing really well with. Um, they're going after Brian Robinson, a, a top 150 defensive end, just guys like that, um, that I think they have a much better shot with than they did in previous years. So, John, I'm, I'm interested to hear your perspective on this. Um, so, obviously, Michigan got the big running back commit yesterday, and then today um, offensive lineman Ben Roebuck out of Ohio as well. Um, and now you, you mentioned, you know, getting some of the guys that didn't have Ohio State offers, um, and, and Roebuck is one of them. Um, so I was just curious to hear your perspective on that. You know, I'm seeing a lot of things on – on Twitter today, you know, Michigan's touting the Ohio or the recruiting wins in Ohio. And, you know, all the Ohio state fans are like, we weren't even recruiting him. It doesn't matter. Was that more of a, do you think really it's Ohio state just didn't want him? Or like you said earlier, do you think it's more of a Michigan has the better judgment on the kind of offensive lineman right now? Yeah, I think it's definitely the, the latter um, with trusting Michigan's offensive line evaluations. Mm -hmm. I think they've been pretty elite lately. Um, I think that's what also has hurt Ohio State in these recent classes is um, for they were 
they recruit so nationally, like Michigan is a national brand, but Ohio State really, you know, is in top five perennial in the recruiting. They go after everyone in the country and then they leave these Ohio state of Ohio guys, you know, on the back burner for a while. And then, you know, we'll swoop in late and grab them with a late offer. And Roebuck is probably a guy like that, that it could be plan B or C for him as they chase the five-star from Florida or Texas or whatever. And then um, they go, if they miss out on those guys, then they come in, offer the guy and he basically commits on the spot because that's the hometown team. Um, But I think those kids are kind of getting fed up with that. Um, feeling overlooked, um, especially if the results aren't there in the field like they have, they were before. So um, there's there's a lot of gamesmanship that that they do, and they and it's also kind of what Ohio State does is if there's a guy from Ohio that Michigan is clearly leading for, they sometimes just won't even offer him, like um, just to say that they didn't have then offer out to him and that they didn't actually beat get beat by Michigan for it. I think that happens sometimes too. And I think like Brian Robinson, this cycle is, I think is a good example of it. He's a top 150 kid, you know, solid four-star guy from Youngstown that like Steve Klingscale's really done a good job with Mike Elston, uh have recruited really well. And so I think Ohio State just kind of backing off, let him commit to Michigan. And then we can say we didn't offer him. He's not that good. So is that like a, is that a little like politic game that goes on in the recruiting world a little bit so that Ohio state can kind of save face and, and be like, and even tell potential commits, uh, you know, that like they see people, you know, players going to Michigan, choosing them and not going to Ohio state from Ohio, that they can tell some of these higher guys that, you know, we didn't even offer them. We're, we're more kind of into you or something like that. Or is that to, more to save face to their fan base? Oh yeah. I think it's, I think it could work both ways. I think that one's kind of a public perception thing. Um, You see it with like Michigan state does this a lot where if you're a kid's about to decide for Michigan state, they'll put like a Michigan hat on the table or put them in their top five, even though Michigan isn't recruiting them that much just to say like, Oh, Michigan was going after this guy and then Michigan state beat him. So, you know, recruiting is all about, you know, what do you put out to the world and hyping yourself up and, building a brand and things like that. So I think that type of gamesmanship definitely goes on with both the Michigan's rivals and Ohio state's been doing that for years too. We're chatting here with John Simmons of the future blue uh, podcast and talking about Michigan football recruiting. And, and I got to ask John, cause this is uh, right now the third ranked class in the country very early it's March, right? Like it's, you know, it's crazy to be looking at rankings, but how given that they've got six, four-star commits right now how special could this class potentially be yeah I think if everything falls right Michigan could be I mean I think top 10 should be the floor um for this class the the expectation last year is disappointing but I think they're finally you know using capturing the momentum that they had these past two college football playoff um appearances using that um so I think it's going to be at least top 10 it's it's tough now with NIL and everything across the country to to get into that crack that top five you know like Georgia's sitting at number one right now they have 10 commits and their average is like a 96 overall which is insane so like there's certain teams like that that are going to be up in the top five no matter what um Alabama is, is at only has four commits right now but their average is a 97 like they're going to rise once they add more and more uh, guys to their class so there's still a lot to be shaken up, but I think that they can definitely get within that five, six, seven range for sure, um, which would be up there for uh, one of the some of the best classes in uh, 
the Harbaugh error following his uh, first two, which are both top 10. Yeah, Luke, um, you mentioned, you know, it's it's only March right now, um, but it still is. It, it's it's really easy to get so excited about these recruits, but we, we kind of saw it, too, with um, with Michigan State last year. You know, they had a ton of recruiting momentum in, around June, um, but, you know, it kind of died down and they lost some of those commits after, you know, a pretty subpar season going five and seven this year. So it'll definitely be important to keep the momentum going on the field to keep together this class, but it's certainly shaping up nicely right now. Um, and John, I was just curious because I've seen so much on social media lately that this is, you know, just the beginning of what could be a really special recruiting run the next few weeks. Um, so I was just curious what, what other uh, potential targets should we be keeping our eyes out for, for commitments in the, in the coming weeks? Yeah, the the big one is definitely Jaden Davis. He's the yeah, five-star yeah. quarterback out of North Carolina. Um, he visited again um, for one of these weekends in March. He, this is his first time getting to meet new quarterback coach, Kirk Campbell. So that was a big step. And then just from like the insiders and the recruiting board and stuff like that, it kind of seems like the when, not if um, with Davis that there's a good chance he'll uh, announce publicly by the, the end of the month. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was already a silent commit. Um, and, you know, getting that quarterback in the class is he's always the leader um, and having a top tier quarterback like really helps with other top targets. So I think that'll help um, the momentum even more. And then, you know, he's got two four star receivers on his team, Channing Goodwin and Jordan Ship. Um, Goodwin is the son of Jonathan Goodwin, who played O-line for uh, Michigan in the 90s. You know, he's a legacy. He's another one that's likely to commit to Michigan. Um, they're getting a lot of crystal balls for Blake Frazier, who's another, uh, who's a four-star line out of, um, Texas. He's another Michigan legacy. His dad played a line for Michigan in the nineties as well. And then Max Anderson, who's also from Texas, four-star lineman. They've been picking up, um, crystal balls for those guys following their visits. So, um, it wouldn't be surprising to see them drop for Michigan too, especially with a couple of them being legacies. Man, so they're they're just uh picking up all the old linemen. Why wouldn't you right back to back Joe Moore uh, award winners? Um, I uh, uh, speaking of Jaden Davis, though, right? Like, how important is it that that he commits in this class, right? Because the twenty twenty three class, no quarterback Dante Moore. He's he's gone to UCLA. Um, you, you don't get Lloyd Carr's grandson. Um, you know, who's a twenty twenty four guy. How important is it to to get a quarterback? Because you know, Michigan. I think that they're correct me if I'm wrong here, John. I think they've they try to get one in every single class, so they can't really go two classes without getting a guy, right? Yeah, it's huge. Um, going without one last class um, does put a big dent in it. You you want to get as many as possible because with the transfer portal, um, how freely it is for guys to leave, it, it's tough to keep quarterback depth. Um, when a guy doesn't win the job, he's usually out looking for another school. So it's important to keep bringing talent in. Um, all the time and so uh, getting Jaden Davis would be huge to kind of keep that continuity going Um, if JJ McCarthy leaves it would be Davis as a freshman if he stays as a senior then it would be great to get him that one year under his belt and then hopefully start um, as a redshirt freshman or sophomore depending on how it goes so um, I think Michigan's in a good spot where they got Davis Warren who they put on scholarship he's I think he has a lot of really good traits and experience and um, could is, you know, different than your normal walk on given his story. So I think they would be okay at, with him as a bridge QB. 
for a year, but uh, it's it's vital to bring in a top talent um, at least every other year. You know, it's really hard to get five star after five star, given that you can only play one at a time. But um, getting one every other year and then a development guy the other years, I think, is is important. So, John, while we're on the quarterback topic, I don't, I don't mean to get too far ahead of ourselves jumping into the 2025 class. Um, but Michigan has also got some momentum going with Belleville quarterback Bryce Underwood, correct? Yeah, that one has been on another huge 180 in uh, his recruitment lately. Um, his dad in interviews um, has been the most frank, you know, than you get in basically any uh, – recruiting interview like that, just how much they did not like Matt Wise. They did not respond to him or connect with him in any way. They were, they had basically written Michigan off the list. Um, and then luckily in the interim between QB coaches, uh, Steve Klingscale kept, you know, the, them re- recruiting them, tell them they had to get up on campus just to meet their new guy. Kirk Campbell got hired. He's been really active on the trail, which is nice to see since it's been a while since Michigan has had, a good uh, recruiter at the quarterback coach spot. Um, so once they, you know, got the Underwoods to visit again, give Michigan another chance with Campbell and they hit it off immediately. Um, I think they vibed really well. Um, Underwood's dad was also frank in that regard, how much they loved him, how different it's changed, how um, Underwood wants to get back. He was back on campus this week um, with a couple of his Belleville teammates, which is huge. And so now I think Michigan's firmly planted themselves back in the top group for Underwood for a while. It looked like LSU, Ohio state, USC were schools that are standing out to him, but now I think Michigan has a much better chance here. And, uh, you know, it's tough to pitch him if they get Jaden Davis. Um, but there is a chance that, you know, Davis doesn't start his freshman year. And then, you know, you can just kind of open it up as a battle between those two. Um, once they're on campus, if it gets to that point, which I think would be a best case scenario. John, I, I just got one final question for you that I'm I'm very curious about because you go back to last year, Michigan, they they ended the 2022 class strong uh, on the you know heels of making the Big Ten champ, winning the Big Ten championship, uh, you know, going to the college football playoff. But last year's class just never really got what to a lot of people thought that it would come it off the not only the first year of making the college football playoff but in the midst of another undefeated season last year and going to the college football playoff again just it, it just never really got to to those big heights a, a top 10 class or anything like that but where has or, or what's been really the biggest cause of the momentum shift that in all of a sudden this 24 class coming off the because they didn't really capitalize on the success, but now are they, or, or, or is it something a little bit different that is causing all the success on the trail? Yeah, I think it could be a couple of things. I don't think there's a real like clear explanation. Um, I think one is there's been more time for Michigan to figure out it's NIL, um, which is such a big factor for these guys. Now um, it kind of got announced, you know, in the middle of that 23 class, Michigan, of course, didn't have that infrastructure of paying guys already. So they, had to scramble their setting up collectives and getting all that going. And I think they have improved their pitch to the guys getting like a minimum salary thing going um, for each player, trying to figure that out, which I think is more enticing to recruits. Um, And I think that they proved that the win over Ohio state and making the playoff wasn't just a one-year fluke. Um, You know, after the the 21 game, you can kind of just say Michigan got lucky. It was at the big house. Um, They just had a dream season, but then they go into Columbus and do the exact same thing 
um, beat Ohio State again, make the playoffs. So I think that that kind of showed everyone too that Michigan's you know kind of renaissance here is real, and that they've built a really good program that's going to contend every year now. Yeah, wow. yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Luke. No, go ahead, Scotty. I was just gonna get your final word in, man. Yeah, I was. I was just gonna say. I mean, we definitely heard some rumblings about the NIL uh, being an issue at Michigan. Um, but from what we've seen so far for this 2024 class, it's it's certain that Michigan has made some sort of change in the pitch. Um, and, and all I all I have to say is this is this is a really special time to be a Michigan fan. Best best time of my life for a Michigan football fan. It's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 certainly a lot of fun. It's a great time right now, and uh, now that basketball's done, obviously this is going to be the focus. And speaking of which, a lot of a lot of stuff that's going to be happening over the spring and the summer. John, you guys are covering it all on the Future Blue podcast. Uh, first and foremost, where can we find you on social media, and and you know when do you drop during the week of the podcast for for folks that can listen? Yeah, um, I'm not a huge presence on social media, but my Twitter is at Simmons underscore John. And then um, we released the podcast uh, Wednesday morning, so you can find it then. Awesome, man. Well, really appreciate the time here tonight. Thanks for giving uh, us the rundown on exactly what's happening and why it's such a good time on the trail for Michigan football. No problem. Thanks for having me. Support for Feeling Blue. Thanks to Manscaped, who breaking news now sell beard products. Once again, revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look with a beautiful cordless trimmer, a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths with one guard, titanium coated T-blade, and then of course you need the shampoo and conditioner for the beard, the beard oil, the beard balm. You can get it all with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit, and we're going to be saving you some money. All you have to do is go to manscaped.com and insert promo code MNB20. That's MNB20 for 20% off and free shipping. Thanks to Manscaped and Feeling Blue. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on the first episode, the debut of Feeling Blue from the Block M Podcast Network. A reminder that you can find us on social media. You can find me at Luke Yardy, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. You can also follow Scotty at at Scotty White underscore and keep a lookout for maybe some new social media handles we'll keep you updated on those potentially coming down the line thank you for listening to the first episode of feeling blue of the block m podcast and network a part of the fan first sports network for my partner scotty white i'm luke yardy and we'll see you next week